Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter. Uh, I love being able to just uh, meet with you every Sunday and, and share what I believe God has put on my heart. Um, we are in the, the tail end of our Fresh Start series. We have been spending this entire month, beginning with Easter Sunday, talking about the new life that is available to us, a second chance. I mean, most of us go through life. We've all made mistakes, everybody. Not a single person in this room is free from ever having made a mistake. And so oftentimes we find ourselves feeling like, I just wish that I could start over. And in life, in our greatest, in the greatest of things, the largest things, the grand scheme of it all, Jesus Christ has paid for the ability for us to start over and have a fresh start. And so we talked in week one about the new life that's available to us in our hearts and our souls, that we can, that we can be resurrected as human beings and be alive again and connected to our creator and how that week two leads us into purpose, that each of us are here to glorify God, to know him and to make him known and that we can, we can serve God with our new life in just everything that we're doing in our own daily life, our talents, our gifts that God has given us. And last week we talked about, about how now that we found new life and purpose, how we then, how that, that when we begin to align ourselves with God's principles and his will for our life, that his blessing begins to overflow. His influence begins to flow into other areas of our life, which then helps us to be able to have restoration and healing in areas like our relationships and our bodies and in our minds and our souls. And, and we begin to see healing take place in, in the physical, tangible spaces. Well, today we're going to wrap up our Fresh Start series. And so I want to start by asking this question. Now that we've discovered the path of wholeness in our lives, so new life and purpose and being all fixed up, how do we stay on track? How do we stay on track? I think, I think this is probably the, a big question about Christianity. It's one thing to come to church and to hear a message about Jesus and to believe, wow, I can have a fresh start. He's forgiven me. That song, Jesus Paid It All, is incredible, isn't it? It really gives such a wonderful picture of what has happened to us in our lives, what's available to us. And so someone would come in and they say, I want that. You know, and I, I, I maybe you raise your hand or you say a prayer and you, you, you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But how do I keep that moving? How does that intersect in my life? How do I keep, keep the newness and the fresh start? How do I live that on a daily basis? And so that's, I think, what we all struggle with. We all struggle with being able to maintain that same space and life of realizing that, that Jesus not only gave us a fresh start once, but that every day he wants to renew us every day and he wants to continue to pull us closer to him and restore our relationships. And so the answer to that question, I believe, is the title of this message, which is New Family. New family. You know, at, at Encounter Church, since the very beginning, we started by telling people that you were made to belong. If any of you have ever uh, taken a look at our invite cards we have out in the lobby, I would recommend, by the way, before you leave today, to grab some of those invite cards from the Connection Center and then give them away to people. Just give them away to people. And we use the same, the same thing on it as what was on our mailer. Some of you may have received our grand opening mailer a year ago. That's how you got here is because you said it and right on the front. It said, you were made to belong. From the very beginning of our church, we said one thing. We are going to make sure that everybody knows that Jesus Christ loves them and that they can have a family, a place to belong to. A family. Why is that so important? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it's like to not have a family or what it's, what it's like to feel out of place. When I was a freshman in high school, I tried out for the football team. 
Now, most of you who know me know that that's a a laughable endeavor. I am not an athletic individual, so I decided to try out for football. I was a scrawny little punk. You know, I didn't know how to do anything. It was was a mess. Okay, so it started off in the summer, and I remember trying to get adjusted. You know, I didn't know anybody. I I, I was such a fish out of water. My family is not an athletic, uh, sporty type of a family. So I, I went there not having a clue. All I ever saw about football was on the NFL, just a few games that I had watched when I was a kid. So I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I got there and people were like double my size. I mean, they knew what they were doing. I had no idea what a playbook even was. I didn't know a playbook existed. I did not know anything about football other than that you were supposed to score touchdowns. I mean, this is a bad place to begin if you're going to try out for a football team. It was, it was rough. I had to get adjusted to new routines. I mean, we were doing two-a-day practices, three-a-day practices during the summer. I was exhausted. I remember there were times when we would be done like doing drills or running laps or whatever it was, and I, would, I was such a little... So, just so bad. I was so like unconditioned. <laughs> it was just terrible. I remember times I'd be like, coach, coach, I need water. And he'd be like, run a lap. And then I'd go run the lap. And then I'd be like, I'm going to throw up. And then there was this sort of, there was this tree. Okay. So there was, this was the field. And over here was a tree that had shade. And, and every once in a while you would see two or three players kind of sitting over there. Those were the guys who were like me, who were the ones that everybody out in the practice field looked at them and they were like, what a bunch of babies. I ended up over there by the tree more often than I was on the field because I just couldn't handle it. I felt like I was going to throw up all the time. I was learning new drills. I mean, contact, okay? Football is a contact sport, and I just didn't enjoy it. I love watching football. Those guys who know me, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, I love watching defense. I love bone-crunching hits. I love that stuff, but not when I am involved in it. (laughs) Man, I tell you what, I had such a hard time. I was just not that way. In fact, there was a guy in football, any of you guys who follow the NFL maybe have heard of Darnell Dockett. Darnell Dockett is an NFL player who plays for the Arizona Cardinals. He might have just gotten traded though this year, but anyway, he was a freshman. If there was ever a picture of anybody who was different, such a different picture than me in sports, it was Darnell. Darnell went to my high school. He was a freshman, and he was on the varsity team of high school by the time we were done with our first year there. Meanwhile, what did I end up with? I ended up warming the bench for all of the players. Now, the only thing that got me through this terrible, terrible season of life was I had a friend. I had a friend who joined the team with me, and he was a little bit better than I was. I mean, he was pretty scrawny too, and in the end, we both just rode the pine all, you know, all season long. I think I got into the game, the last game of the season, when we were already up by like 45 points. And even then, I still didn't learn any plays. It was terrible. But the only reason I made it through, the only reason I was able to stick through it and even learn, and by the end of the season, my coach stopped calling me by the number that was on my helmet and actually knew my name. The only reason that happened was because I had a friend who was there. I had somebody who I could rely on, somebody I could hang out with during practice when it was hard and we were running laps and I felt like I was going to puke. He was like, come on, Jared, let's go. Let's keep going. We can do this. And over time, we became part of that team. Even though we weren't very good, they began to respect us. They began to respect us as individuals that we were there every day. We showed up all the time because there were some people who quit. And so while this experience to me wasn't the best experience in terms of, you know, I didn't become a great football player. I didn't even become an average football player. I just, it wasn't a great experience, but what I enjoyed about it was the camaraderie of when I would walk down the halls of of the school on game days, we'd all be wearing our jerseys. I was a part of something. 
And that's the same thing that family brings, the concept of family. I think, let's ask you this, have you ever found yourself in a similar situation? Maybe not that you've been in, like on a football team, but have you ever been invited to a a party? And when you got there, you didn't know anybody at that party? (laughs) Yeah, it's happened to me too. How awkward is it to be in the new place with people that you don't know? Or maybe you've traveled to another country. Maybe you've ever gone to another country, you've had the the honor or the blessing of being able to travel to another country, and you don't know the language, and you don't really know how to get there. Maybe you've even just traveled to a new city. You know what it's like to feel out of place. It's just sort of like this space of new culture, I don't really know. I mean, when I went to the South, you know, I went to Dallas, Texas a few years ago, and I'll tell you what, it was like another planet. The people in Texas are weird. I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, it's so flat down there and everything. The highways are wide and the buildings are, it's just weird. It was strange. But my point is, is that if you've ever been in a situation like that, what helps you through those times is when you have a friend. If you're invited to a party and you go and you don't know anybody, but then finally somebody you know shows up, it's like that party went from being worst to the best because now you're having fun with people. The same thing with traveling to another city or anything. If you ever go somewhere... And then you don't know where you're at, but if you're traveling with friends or maybe you have somebody who is a visitor and shows you around. My cousins just came up to Pittsburgh a few weeks ago and uh, we showed them around Pittsburgh. They'd never been here. They had, no, they had no idea about anything that was going on here. We took them and showed them around and they had a blast because they had somebody along the ride with them. It's, it could be all sorts of things. Maybe you're learning a new skill or being given a project at work and you don't really know anything about it. In all of these scenarios, having somebody to rely on or someone to lean on helps you. And as we experience change in our life, especially like coming to church, for some of you, you're a new Christian or maybe just this year since Encounter Church has been in existence, you found Jesus for the first time. And it's been a struggle for you because, because you're like, I'm trying to align myself. Jared, you talk all the time about aligning with God's principles and I'm trying to learn how to read my Bible and try to start a prayer life up and these things that I've never done before. Or maybe even if you've been a Christian and you're hearing these things for, for the first time because you've grown up in other churches where it wasn't emphasized, I understand that it's different and these changes in your life can be hard to stick and they can be difficult. Sometimes they're exciting at first, but they can be difficult New habits require work, right? They require work. And we need people to help us to be able to move forward in our life and in our faith. And so that's why we're talking about family today. New family. We need a new family. The Bible talks a lot about family. It talks about belonging to God's family. And when we receive a fresh start by receiving the new life that Jesus provided for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection, that power that lives inside of us, the Bible tells us that we become part of God's family. Let's see what that looks like. If you turn me with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, open up that YouVersion Bible app on your tablets or your phones, or the verse will be on the screen here. It's also on your notes page if you're taking notes today in your program. Ephesians chapter 2, this was written to guess who? The people in Ephesus. Okay, so if you're ever wondering why it's called a certain thing, the book of Corinthians was written to the city in Corinth. The book of Ephesians is written to the people in Ephesus. Galatians is Galatia. These are all towns where the church was, okay? So this is Paul writing a passage, a letter, to the people in the city of Ephesus. 
Chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. He says, so now you Gentiles, we've said this before, Gentiles are people who are not Jewish. So it's kind of like, like I mentioned the Harry Potter world, the muggles, right? So that's what we are. Every one of us who are not of Jewish descent, we are Gentiles, we are muggles, okay? So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens, he says, along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. He's talking to people here who are not Jewish. He's talking to people here who probably didn't grow up in any kind of Jewish faith of any kind. He's actually, I believe, uh, Ephesus was, a, was, in, um, was in Greece, and it uh, was a, a place that just didn't know anything about the Jewish faith. And so these people are now coming to know Jesus because, because people are coming into that city, planting churches, if you will. These Christians move into this city and they start telling people about Jesus and a church forms. And now they're, but see, a lot of times what was happening was that, is that the Jewish people began to feel like, man, all these people who are not like us started coming into, into the family, right? And, and the problem was is that they, the Jewish people had the law. And the law said that they had to be circumcised. And, and all these guys, these men who were like not Jewish are going, I am not getting circumcised as a 30-year-old man. Like that's what they're thinking, right? And, they're, and so, but they're not, they're not following the Jewish food laws and all these things that the law is. And there was a problem. The Jewish people were getting frustrated that all these, these non-Jewish people were coming to know Jesus. I mean, have you ever been to a church, maybe like a, maybe been to maybe a, a more of a traditional church? I grew up and I saw this in my church sometimes when I was a kid, or maybe other places, where you grew up and everybody there was a Christian and they've been a Christian all their life. And then as soon as somebody walks in the door who doesn't look like them or act like them, maybe they just got off of drugs or, or maybe they, their life is a little different, a little bit more rough around the edges. And the people in that church, instead of them being thrilled to pieces that they found Jesus, they're kind of like frustrated. Like, ah. Oh. Look at that guy wearing those ripped jeans to church. I mean, that's like, you know, this is crazy, but this is what was happening, right? The Jewish people were like, we love Jesus. We found our Messiah, and we thought it was just for us. But Paul says, no, it's for everybody. And all these, these non-Jews, these Gentiles were coming in, and they were kind of being treated like second-class citizens. So that is where we pick it up. So let's start from the beginning again, verse 19. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners, you are citizens, not second-hand citizens, not slaves. You are citizens now alongside of all of God's holy people. You are members of the family of God. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone of this house is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And this is incredible news. We are no longer outsiders. We're no longer considered to be you know, scabs of society. We are included, every one of us. And there are some of you in this room today who maybe even as Christians, you've felt like maybe a second-class citizen. Perhaps people have made you feel that way. Maybe you visited a church at some point in your life and they made you feel like because you didn't look a certain way or didn't talk a certain way that maybe you didn't fit in quite as, as, as well. Well, I am here to tell you today that because of what Jesus Christ has said through Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 that every single one of you is part of this family at Encounter Church and it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you are a citizen in God's family and that makes you important at this house. It makes you important to Jesus. It makes you important to, to all of us. 
We are a part of a family. And so as we learn this new life together, as we walk through this fresh start, some of us, I believe, this week, this month, have been set free from things, that you have found hope in your life this month because you realized something that God spoke to you this month and said, you need to let this thing go. Whatever the struggle was, whatever that, whatever that thing maybe you couldn't forgive yourself for, or maybe you found Jesus for the first time, I don't know. But whatever it was, your fresh start, it's going to creep back up at you. Over the last 20 years of my life, as I found Jesus and I began to walk with him and learn to, to, to have a relationship with him and, and follow him and allow his influence in my life to change me and my relationships, my old self has crept back up at times and I've struggled. And I think you understand this, this concept of us battling with our, with our inside selves, you know, our sin and our, our, our selfishness, our pride or whatever it might be. You know, and maybe your past creeps back up on you, tapping you on the shoulder. Hey, do you remember this? That's who you're always going to be. And I constantly have to remind myself through the power of Jesus from his resurrection. No, I am resurrected in my soul. I am forgiven. Jesus paid it all. The crimson stain of my sin has been made washed clean and white as snow because of what Jesus has done. I have to constantly do that. But in order for us to walk on a daily basis and begin to, to try new things like reading your Bible or praying and listening to the Holy Spirit in your life and allowing his power to, to influence the rest of your life and to move into blessing, all these things that we've been talking about over the last couple of months, especially if you're newer to this world, you need help to create those habits, to make them become habits in your life instead of just one-off chance things that you do every so often. We need people. A fresh start is wonderful, but it doesn't always stick so easily. We need each other to keep ourselves on track. And so that's our big idea for the day. If you're taking notes, a fresh start becomes habit with support from family. Can we all say that together? A fresh start becomes habit with support from family. A fresh start becomes habit, okay? So this fresh start that God has given us, the ability to start anew, is not a one-time deal. It's an everyday thing. Romans 12.1 says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. It says, it says you do this, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That concept of renewing means every day, re, re, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, okay? So it becomes habit. This new life, this freshness, this, this newness that Jesus offers us and wants us to live with becomes a habit with support from family. That's why life groups are incredible. That's why they're so important. Because what we take, what we're learning here, and then on Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Thursdays or whatever day of the week it is, we all sit down together as a family and we talk about it. We wrestle with it. We struggle and we say, I, this is hard for me. I don't, I, man, I'm having a hard time doing this thing or I don't fully understand what, what it means by this. And then you can talk. And as you do that, you begin to stretch yourself. You begin to, to begin to apply it. And then maybe you have a prayer request. We always finish our, our life groups with a time of prayer. And that gives us an ability to walk through life together. You know, like to say, this is something that's heavy on my heart. Will you help me with it? And I like to say that life groups, relationships with other people, you know what they do? They cut our burdens in half and they double our celebrations. Right? So like when we have a friend that we can live life with, they share in our joy. The good things that are happening, we've got two people celebrating now because we love each other. We're sharing life together. But at the same time, my burden that's on my shoulders, on our shoulders, when we are living life with other people, they carry that with us. And the light, the light gets, the load gets a little bit lighter. 
Relationships. Relationships. A fresh start becomes habit with support from family. And we grow in our faith, and God's influence changes our life as we walk together. So what does being a part of God's family mean? Well, it has both a blessing and it also has responsibility. Here are just a few thoughts that I have today about the family of God. Being the family of God, number one, means no one is alone. Not a single person is alone. I mean, we have verse 19 here says that we are no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners. That we are citizens. We are members of God's family. That means that when you come to church, no matter what's been going on in your life, no matter what's been going on even in the middle of the week, that means you always have somebody who cares about you. Your pastor loves you. The person you're sitting next to in your chair loves you. The people in the aisle behind you care about you. They may not know you that well, and we always are trying to create opportunities for each of you to get to know each other better. That's why we do our, our food days, and that's why we, you know, we, we're, gonna maybe, we're looking into maybe doing a picnic this summer and all sorts of cool things that are just designed to help us get to know each other so that we have family. No one is alone. Nobody is alone. We are adopted. The Bible actually talks about being grafted into a root, okay? So the church, the, the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they were called um, the root of Jesse, okay? So they were, just think of like a plant, okay, that like sort of has a, the trunk up at the middle, okay? That was the people of Israel. And it says that, 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 that we as Gentiles, as muggles, if you will, are a wild plant living over here by itself, so the picture is painted for us in Romans chapter 11, where there is this root that's cultivated, it's in a garden. God has put special attention to the people of Israel. They were his people. And what it says is, is actually is that Gentiles, through Jesus Christ, have been, we've been sliced off of the wild branch and grafted into the root. If you ever have seen any kind of... Um, maybe learned about this in biology, there's actually hybrid plants now because of the ability to take one plant and graft it into another. And Romans chapter 12 talks about that. It says that we are not just two plants growing side by side, like, you know, oh, Jesus died for Gentiles and for the Jewish people, and we'll kind of live our own lives. No, he actually says we are made part of the family. In other parts of the scripture, it talks about us being adopted. And when you were adopted in, in first century times, you were actually given what's called sonship. When you are a son, not just a slave or a servant, when you're adopted, you're given full rights, full rights. That means we have just as many rights as a follower of Jesus as anybody who is Jewish. And so in that time, it was a big deal because, like I said, they were, they were kept separate. But in our life, we've been adopted in. We're a part of God's family. At once, we were far away. We were wild, and we were deserving punishment and, end up, and going to end up in hell. But Jesus Christ came and died for us and grafted us into the roots so that we would have new life. We are a part of his family. It's wonderful. We're equal. We're beautifully diverse. Every one of us are different. Every one of us are unique. And that makes us, this is the most beautiful and diverse body that, we, that could ever live. It's not a club. We're a family. And the only rule to join is Jesus. That's the only rule. Now, there is a little bit of a caveat to that. I like to say that people can belong before they believe. So you look over on the right side of the auditorium, and we have our three E's. One of them is explore. You know, we recognize that there are some people who come to encounter church, and they, 
they just don't have those answers yet, or they're still searching for some answers. And we'll talk actually about this tonight at our starting point. I'll give a little plug for that. If you, if you uh, have been coming to Encounter for a while and have never been to Starting Point, tonight we're going to give you a free dinner from Yinsburg Barbecue, and you're going to hear the story of Encounter Church. It's going to be really good. I'm just going to share with you who we are in our heartbeat of who we are. Come tonight, 530 at the Stephen Foster Center, right on Main Street. You can let us know you're coming at the Connection Center after church today. But... The whole idea of this is explore. The, the concept of that, that, that people need a place to belong because if, it's, if, if we don't, it's just a club. The only way that people are going to be able to know if they want to become a part of this family is if they can hang out, if they can be around. And they may not, may not live the way that we think that they should live according to what Scripture teaches. And they may not, may not believe the things. Maybe they have questions that for, that for some of us, if, we, if they were to ask that question to us, it almost feels, um, I don't want to say blasphemous, but like, it almost feels like, like it's, it's uh, faithless or, or it's challenging. People are all in different places and wrestling with, with what God's word says for their life. And it's not always easy. And so we accept people. We say, you can belong here before you believe, but to become part of the family of God, not the family of encounter, but the family of God, the one rule is that you have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You, you, you offer your life to follow him. And then once that happens, no one, no one is ever alone. Because even if you're in the darkest place of your life, in the middle of Mongolia somewhere, Jesus this Holy Spirit will always be with you. You are never alone. So the first thing is being a part of the family of God means no one is alone. The second thing is, is that means that we are the church. If you're taking notes, we are the church led by Jesus. So verse 20 says, together we are his house. And the cornerstone of that house is Jesus himself. Now, in other parts of scripture, and some of you guys may have heard this before, the title of the church is called the body of Christ. Okay, the body of Christ is it's it's just that it's the idea that when we are when we are born into the family of God when we accept Jesus, what that means is that every one of us now are part of are part of the body of Jesus. That His Spirit lives inside of each one of us. The Bible tells us that when we decide to follow Jesus, that His Spirit comes inside and lives inside each one of us and reactivates our soul. So his spirit lives inside of us, which means we are now a part of his body. And the Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the church. So, so the body of Christ is the church all over the world. We are one body. Sometimes we act disjointedly, okay? So, so if, you, if you see things on the news about churches, you know, being called hypocrites and, and all the things that maybe we see around the world or around our country, we're one body, but that just means that sometimes that body is acting disjointed. We understand this concept of diseases or things that cause our human bodies to not work properly. The, the concept of sin, the disease that runs through all of humanity, the, the church is not immune to it. We struggle with it. And so even though there's a church down the road, I mean, for example, and this is, this is crazy, the Westboro Baptist. Have you guys ever heard them of that church, the Westboro Baptist? They're the ones who stand outside of picket everything. They've got signs. They're the ones who made the, the famous, pardon my language, that says God hates fags. You guys know that, that sign? They're the ones who made that famous. They are a church. They are a part of our body. And they are dysfunctional because sin has gripped them and warped them. But Jesus still loves them and is weeping over a part of his body that is, that is not fulfilling its mission, that is actually working contrary to the mission of Jesus. And so there are other churches all within our community in Lawrenceville. There are five or six churches, even the Catholic churches here. And it makes my heart cry when I drive up and down. When we were first looking for a location to hold Encounter Church, I remember driving up and down roads and I would see closed church buildings and it made my heart sad. It made my heart sad that, 
that the church has lost its effectiveness in this community. And so what that tells me is that there are not enough Christians who are becoming the church, being the church. The church is not a building. This is a school, but we have turned it into a church. But honestly, even if we had nowhere to meet and we had to meet in the park, we would be a church because it's the body of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us makes up the body of Christ. The church is the greatest mechanism of hope that was ever created. Jesus said that the church, he said he was going to build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And oftentimes, people people interpret that verse as meaning that, that hell is constantly expanding and that the gates of hell are banging on the door of the church and that, that as long as we hide inside, that the doors of the church will be, will, will be able to hold it out. But no, that's not what it meant. It meant that Jesus Christ is building his church and his kingdom is expanding. And as we march into communities with the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power inside of us, as we walk and we push into darkness, the gates of hell cannot withstand the power of his church. That's what it means. And we are that church. And so by being a member of God's family, the blessing is that none of us are alone. But the responsibility is that each one of us has to stand up and be the church in our communities, be the church in in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and in our homes. We're expanding God's kingdom as we bring his will to earth, as we bring heaven to earth through us. We are carriers. We are carriers of hope. And we have the ability to dispel darkness because we have the spirit of Christ living inside of us. And I know this because Romans 8, 11 says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in us, lives in us, and it gives us authority. So not only being the family of God means that no one is alone, it means that we are the church. We have a right. We have a birthright and a responsibility. Being part of the family of God also means that everyone matters. Everyone matters. Verse 21 says that we are being carefully joined together carefully joined together. We are becoming a holy temple by being carefully placed. I mean, think of like blueprints, right? Or a complex schematic of something. It's not just, oh, well, it's like a whole bunch of Legos, right? Like there's those bins of Legos and it's just like a four-year-old takes the Legos and dumps them out and just starts putting stuff together. And before you know it, you've got this blob of, you know, prickly blocks, right? That's not what Jesus is doing with his church, He has taken Jewish people who believe in his son as the Messiah, and then he's taken all of us Gentiles, all of us wild-rooted individuals, and brought us into one family. And he's turning each one of us into this holy temple, this, this glistening, beautiful, complex structure of the body of Christ, carefully placing each one of us. You are not here by accident. You are at Encounter Church and not some other place by design. God has a path for you. He has a place for you. And in this family, in this building, the body of Christ of Encounter Church, I'm not talking the school building, wherever Encounter Church is, you have a place in it. And you have a role that you should be fulfilling in it. Every one of us has been given giftings and strengths and interests and talents and passions and and experiences and history that all can come together to put you in one place so that you can contribute to be a part of this family. Every one of us have been carefully joined. That means that everybody matters. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how the body is made up of different parts. 
And a lot of times what happens is in churches, maybe you're feeling this way right now, a lot of people feel like, well, what, what part could I possibly play? I mean, I can't do the things that you do, Jared. I'm not a preacher. I can't teach people. I don't play a guitar. I can't lead worship. You know, like, like I'm, I'm, I can't teach kids. I can't run a light board. I mean, there's so many people who sit in chairs and churches on Sundays or whatever day they meet, and they feel like they are not significant. That it's almost as if they feel like, yeah, I believe that I'm a citizen. I believe that I'm part of the family of God. But honestly, if I were being honest with you, I would say I probably feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I barely made it in by the skin of my teeth. Maybe you feel that way. But you know what the rest of that verse says in 1 Corinthians 12? It talks about the body. It says, can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Can the eyes say to the ears, I don't need you? No, it can't because without every single part of your body, another part wouldn't be able to function. If we didn't have feet, we couldn't walk. If we didn't have a mouth, we couldn't speak. If we didn't have eyes, we couldn't see. And if we were all eyes, then how would we hear anything? If we were all feet, how would we, how would we be able to pick up things? There are so many things that this body needs to do. And without you, without you being a part of that body, without you functioning as part of that body, we are a dysfunctional body. If I have a hand, but the hand just sits there at the side of the hand, it's not doing its job. It is useless. It matters because we need it. But if that hand decides to not do its function or not be a part of the body, then the rest of the body suffers because it doesn't. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying to yourself, Okay, well, what could I do? There are so many, so many ways for you to be involved. And I'm not just talking about like serving on Sundays. I'm talking about that being a part of the body of Christ means, means taking your responsibility and doing something with it at whatever time is appropriate. There are parts of our bodies that are not used all the time. And there are parts of our bodies that are not prominently being used either. I mean, we cover parts of our bodies with clothing. I mean, think about like even like your body hair. Like there is body hair all across of our body and you would think it really doesn't serve much of a purpose, but it keeps us warm. Without it, we are shivering. But you cover most of it, right? And so this is the same idea is that maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I can't play guitar and I, I can't preach or I can't teach and I don't really, I'm not really a people person so I don't feel comfortable like greeting people at the door or, or handing people coffee or whatever. Well, maybe there's something you could do behind the scenes throughout the week or perhaps, perhaps you could just Pray for somebody while you're at work. You know, being the body of Christ is not just on Sunday mornings. It's all the time. Everybody matters. Everyone's important. Whether you have a degree or you failed out of high school, whether you're eight years old. I mean, I love seeing our kids helping us set up the building on Sunday mornings. I love seeing my kids and your kids some of you guys who are on the dream team, your children are helping us carry walls. I see, we have these big blue walls in the gym that we use um, to, to section off of the rooms. And, and sometimes I've seen two or three of the, like, the little kids who are this tall carrying one wall after church, bringing it back up here on stage. I love seeing everybody involved. I love it. Because that's the way it's meant to be. Everyone has a part. Everyone matters. The church is designed to be God's vehicle for redemption and life to the world, and it only happens as we do our part. So being the family of God means no one is alone, means that we are the church and we have a responsibility. Everyone matters. And finally, there's always room for more. If you're taking notes, there's always room for more. Verse 22 says this, we are being made part of the dwelling where God lives. The sort of the... the uh, the inclination of what it's saying there is it's 
being made part. And since our mission is to always be finding more people, always bringing more people in, that means it's an ever-expanding, ever-growing building. This family of God, this, this kingdom of God is growing. It's expanding constantly. And there's always room for more. Sometimes you see on a Sunday morning, maybe you're not paying attention, that's good because you're worshiping, but I see sometimes that when we have more people come than we can handle or that the seats are, we have these black seat cushions or seat covers and we pull them back a couple rows because we want to make room for more. You know, when we do our outreaches and we share the love of Jesus with people and we invite people, there's always room for more. And if we ever outgrow a space, we will look for a new one. Or we will add services or we will do whatever we can because we will always make room for more. Why? Not because I want to have a certain number of people at a church, but because I was walking on the beach this week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, I apologize. I wasn't spending the, the week at the beach all week, okay? I had an afternoon I got to be at the beach. The rest of the time I was at a conference. I was learning, okay? So I think it was Wednesday, I was walking on the beach and I was just trying to process some of, the, some of the things that I was learning at the conference. It was for pastors and just some great speakers just refreshing and speaking into the life of pastors all around the country. And I was walking along the beach, seeing people have a good time. You know, I was in shorts, which was nice, but I wasn't swimming or anything. I remember walking and just praying and I just felt like this question burned in my heart and it said, how can we reach more people for Jesus? That's a very different question than how can we get more people to come to church? And I felt like in that moment, God spoke to me. His Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, now you get it. Now you understand. You're asking the right question. How can we reach more people for Jesus? How can we as people be incarnational of Jesus? Incarnation means like, like as if we were the hands and feet of Jesus, the Spirit of God living inside of us so strongly that when we touch people, it's because Jesus is reaching through us to touch them. How can we live our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus? How can we design our services? How can our outreaches that we do, how can we design new programs? How can our life groups, how can all of these things be crafted strategically to reach people, more people who don't know Jesus? There's always room for more. I will never be satisfied with where we are. Not because I have some ego trip that we need to be large, but because I know that Jesus Christ loves people who are broken. He loves people who are hurting. And there are people in our communities, there are neighbors in your neighborhood, people who live next to you that maybe you don't even know, who are living lives of pain, of suffering, who are struggling through things, who don't have hope. Maybe there's a neighbor in your neighborhood right now who's thinking about committing suicide because they have no hope. Maybe they're so far under debt that they're thinking about bankruptcy. I mean, there's just so many people. There are people all along. I look at, I think about all the people who went to, to Art All Night last night. I was just looking this morning on, on Nextdoor Lawrenceville, which is sort of a local Facebook for the neighborhood, and someone was complaining, as they always do, about noise after an event. Well, I mean, Art All Night is an event in Lawrenceville that goes from, I think, 2 p.m. on Saturday all the way through the night, and then it ends today at like 2 p.m., 2 or 4, something like that. And there was a lady on there complaining. She says, I'm sure Art All Night is a wonderful event, but there are so many drunk people and just being loud and yelling down the streets. And yes, that happens. But you know what I think of while I'm, when I think about that, as frustrating as it is to be kept up at night with people who are partying, those are people 
who are trying to fill their lives with something when they're deep inside not getting what they need. They need Jesus. And I think about them as a pastor, and I think we need to make room for them. I just, the body of Christ, the family of God, means that no one is alone. It means that anytime anyone comes, all are welcome, no matter what you struggle with, no matter what you are struggling with, you are welcome here. Tell your friends that. I'll tell you what, if you want to get somebody to come to church with you, tell them they're welcome at church. Because so many people feel like they're not welcome at places. Everyone is welcome here. We are the church. We are the body. We have a responsibility. If we stand up, you know, and, and be led by Jesus into our communities. Everybody matters when we're a part of the church, too. We all have a role to play. And there is always going to be room for more. We must always be searching. We must always be asking the Holy Spirit to show us opportunities for more. A fresh start becomes habit in our lives with the support from our family. And we live this together. We will become the family as we walk together. Let's not walk this journey of faith alone. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.